When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. The first week of free agency is in the books. Uh, the Browns have uh, already made a number of moves. We're going to recap some of those, kind of see where we're at. Uh, you know what they have. I mean, they had a tight end visit. So that's interesting as, as far as what that could mean um, for some guys already on the roster and, and where they might be going in that direction. But, you know, let's just start here. Mary Kay, how would you, I don't know if you want to put a grade on it or, or what, but how would you kind of rate Andrew Barry's first week here? of free agency? You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is like a good solid B is what I would give it. Right. I mean, I think they probably in a perfect world would have loved to have ended up with Javon Hargrave. Uh, You know, I think that they got pretty close. They were interested uh, in him for sure. And I know they were in the mix for Draymond as well. Um, And of course, ideally, they would have loved to have gotten Jesse Bates, um, but, you know, those things didn't happen. So, but they did, you know, kind of the next best thing in the areas that they really needed to. They got what they needed. Uh, they, they filled some holes in some areas and they got some, you know, some really good players that should be able to come in and help them. Now, of course, they didn't get the receiver that I still think they need, that speedy, speedy receiver, uh, but there's still time for that. Ashley, how would you kind of rate or describe Andrew Barry's first week? Yeah, I was also thinking around the B, B minus kind of range. Like, I think, like Mary Kay said, there was a some bigger names out there, particularly at defensive tackle. But I do think Dalvin Tomlinson fits in kind of well with what this, you know, defense really needs. Um, it sounds like he was maybe the preferred choice anyway, and he came at a bargain compared to some of the other big names like Deron Payne, who obviously stayed in Washington, and Hargrave. So I think that's interesting. I think for me, the big thing that's still missing is addressing receiver and and the pieces or piece, big piece that you're missing there. Um, so I think that grade could get bumped up if, say, they're able to get a Michael Hardman, convince him to come here, for example. Um, so I think there's still room to grow. So I'm going to give them a solid B minus, which for me, a perfectionist is, you know, a hard, hard grade to stomach. See, I love I love a good B minus. I'll take a B minus every day of the week. That's great. <laughs> that's that's perfect. Um, all right. Mary Kay, actually, I want to I want to pivot here real quick because Ashley mentioned a name, Nicole Hardman, and you actually, in your when you talked to Juan Thornhill on Thursday, 
It was the day that he tweeted at me, Cole Hardman, about how they both came into the league together, did a little bit of recruiting. Uh, I think I saw Tyreek Hill was doing a little bit of recruiting of him, too. So made a joke about him not returning his calls. Um, what what kind of vibe did you get? I mean, what did Juan have to say about that to you? Um, I'm just curious what kind of vibe you got when you brought that up to him. Well, he did say, uh, even though he was just kind of messing around on Twitter with it, uh, he did tell me that he would love to have him here. And we saw that Miko, uh, respli- you know, replied to his tweet with the eyeball emoji. Uh, so I'm sure it's something that they've talked about or thought about. I mean, look, there's a job opening here for a speedy receiver, and there aren't many that are faster uh, than Miko Hardman. So, um, you know, I think it's definitely something to think about. I'm sure I know he's on their radar and has been, uh, whether or not it will happen. I don't know about that. Of course, money is always an issue, but I definitely think it's something to keep an eye on. Okay. So I, I just to go back to the original question. I would say that I, I feel like this was a very on brand free agency so far for Andrew Barry. It was just identifying needs, filling them. We'll see how they work out on paper. They seem pretty solid. Um, and he put himself in a position where he doesn't have to rely on the draft necessarily to find that edge rusher or find that defensive tackle. He can use the draft for what they want to use it for. We talked about that a little bit on the Hey MK podcast earlier this week, that um, he doesn't want to put himself in a position where the draft is just to fill needs. He, he wants to add young players that they can develop. So let, let's kind of go through these guys a little more. And let's start with uh, Oboe, Oboe Okoronkwo who I think I've mastered the spelling of his name, by the way. I think I've got it down to a to a science. We'll test that out as the season goes along. Um, something interesting, Mary Kay, when you kind of look at the structure here, you kind of look at the salaries, you know, his cap numbers. Uh, this year, a little over $2 million. Next year, a little over 4 Then a little bit over 5 in 2025. When I see those numbers, it it kind of makes me wonder. Like I, I've talked about all these guys as like write them in pen. They're the starters. Is there a chance that maybe there's another move here still coming and that Oboe maybe is more that third edge rusher? It could possibly be. I mean, they will definitely keep their eyes open for uh, anybody that can help them from a pass rush standpoint, especially when you're talking about a Jim Schwartz defense. I mean, you need guys that can get to the passer. So, um, you know, when you look over Oboe's statistics, you see that, um, you know, that he really has been a sort of an eight game wonder, right? Where uh, he has only started eight games in his career, despite um, being selected in 2018 and going into a sixth season, he has started only eight games. And that was the last eight games of the season last year in Houston. And in those games, he ended up with all five of his sacks from from last season. So, you you know, you just you have to wonder, was that, um, you know, showing that once a player is put in his position of strength, perhaps in a certain kind of defense at defensive end, uh, this is what he's capable of. And he just never had the chance to do that before. Uh, Or, you know, is there something more to it? But I definitely think it's something to keep an eye out. Yeah. So I'm this feels a little bit like. I, I think this is I, I think this is a good roll of the dice. Um, I, you know, there could be some real value here, Ashley, if he turns into, you know, if those last five games kind of show what he could be if he's given a, a role full time. Um, so I think it's a good roll of the dice. We've seen them have success with stuff like this before. 
you know, Tack McKinley. We've also seen it not work with a guy like a Chase Winovich that they sort of, you know, took a flyer on. But this this feel this feels like a Moneyball Paul D Podesta type of move, right? Finding value, and maybe it ends up being an absolute home run. That's the last baseball analogy I'll use. I'll promise, and that was completely unintentional. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it ends up working out great. I like the signing, but I do wonder, like when when I see those salary numbers. That's not starter money necessarily. So maybe there's still another move there. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is, like we've hit on already, the sample size for him is pretty small as a starter. And we talk about sample size all the time and trying to guess what you're going to get out of a guy. Um, And I do think there is a lot of guesswork with him. So I'm with you. Like, I do kind of wonder if there's going to be somebody else out there. And he, you know, we compare him to Tack McKinley. Well, Tack McKinley wasn't the number two head dresser. Jadavian Clowney was that year. Um, so I do wonder if that is going to be more what he is suited for, but for now, you know, I think if they don't get somebody else to fill that number two spot and Oboe does end up being that number two guy, I think with the production he had when he was a starter this past year, I don't hate them taking a chance with him. If that is the route they go, I don't hate it. I don't, I'm not over the moon about it necessarily, but there are definitely worse options out there. Let's talk about Dalvin Tomlinson. Obviously made a very strong first impression when we talked to him on uh, when, uh, what day was it? Thursday. God, I don't remember what day it is anymore. <laughs> very strong impression when we talked to him on Thursday. Um, kind of, you know, my thought was he's just kind of that fun, big defensive tackle, Mary Kay. I mean, in the Sheldon Richardson mold, uh, we've had other guys come through that, that sort of have that feel to him. And, I, you know, it's funny, Sheldon Richardson played for the Giants, played for the Vikings. Um but just sort of seems like a, a fun guy, obviously a very diverse set of interests. I think it's going to be a fun guy to talk to in the locker room when, when we finally get in there. Um, I, I'm actually, this might be my favorite signing at this point. I don't know if that's prisoner of the moment, um, really enjoying him on the zoom or just kind of feeling like this, he can really transform this defense. And I mentioned on an earlier pod, was it an overpay? Maybe it was, but I think it's going to be worth every penny if he's the run defender they think he can be. Yeah, I mean, he's exactly what they do need in terms of uh, getting in there and plugging up the middle and, you know, chewing up some blockers and eating up the run. And, uh, you know, that's what they needed there. What they're not going to get out of him, uh, you know, are the sacks that you would have gotten from a Javon Hargrave, the sacks that you would have gotten from a Draymond Jones, who in his last, um, you know, even though he missed the final four games of the season, he had six and a half sacks last year. So it's reasonable to believe that he would have been a double digit sacker. So they're not necessarily going to get the sacks out of him. So they're going to have to come from somewhere else. But as long as he can get the pressure, as long as he can be disruptive, and then if you pair him with a rotation of pretty, you know, a number of other guys that can get the job done, then, you know, they should be okay. You know, I still think that, you know, they see something in Perry on Winfrey and that they hope that he can uh, pick it up a notch this year and come into his own a little bit and mature. Um, I don't think they're ready to give up on Jordan Elliott yet. So they've got they'll have a rotation of other guys in there as well. But I think that uh, Delvin Tomlinson is going to give Jim Schwartz exactly what he needs from the defensive tackle position. Yeah, I mean, the sacks aren't always there, but one of the things that um, Lance Reisland mentioned when he was on the pod on Thursday was um, he does push the middle. So Ashley, even though maybe he's not going to bring down the quarterback a bunch, 
he can push the middle and create pressures and that, that can change things for those guys on the edge. Yeah, I was going to say the hearing him talk about his own game, like the sacks might not be there. And again, like two and a half sacks last year, he missed, I think, four games last year and he was dealing with a calf injury, I believe. Um, so take that number with a grain of salt overall. But even if he doesn't get a ton of sacks, what he's really good at is flushing the quarterback out and then maybe making it so that it's life is easier for your edge rusher and for a guy like Miles Garrett. And I know I was looking at his like PFF grades and everything. Like he had the highest, I believe pass rush grade of his career. It was almost 80. I think it was like 79.1 or something like that. Um, So he graded out pretty well with that last year, even with the injury. Um, And I just think that that's when you kind of see, he's the prime example of when these guys, these coaches talk about pressures having so much value analytically. And he's a guy that can cause that disruption, even if the sack isn't coming at the end of the play for him. Okay, the other free agent signing, we literally were recording this right after we got to talk to him for the first time, Juan Thornhill. So Mary Kay, and, and you got to talk to Juan one-on-one. Uh, just what what are your impressions of him? Uh, you know, we haven't gotten to meet him in, like in person, but you had him on the phone. We saw him on a Zoom. Just, just your impressions hearing from Juan. You know, just a, a real uh, upbeat guy. You know, someone that I think is going to bring a lot of energy to that room. I think he's going to fit in perfectly. I think he's going to get along great with a guy like uh, with like Greg Newsom. Couldn't you just see those two guys kind of uh, bonding a little bit? He's already heard from uh, Grant Delpit and talked to him. So I, I, I think he's going to bring a really, really good vibe to the back end. And I think they need it. I think they really need it. I think last year uh, they were a little bit maybe splintered. I mean, there were some issues in the beginning of the season when they were blowing coverages and there was sort of a little bit of uh, a disconnect between some of the guys. I think he's going to be a unifying force in the back end. I think he's going to help bring those guys together. And I think these guys will listen to him. When you've been to the Super Bowl three times, three times in your four-year career, uh, that holds some some weight. And they're going to listen to what he has to say because he knows what success looks like. He knows how to get there. Uh, so I, I think he's going to be really good for those guys. I don't think that he's got a negative bone in his body. I don't think he will, you know, tolerate any negativity in the room. I think he'll get guys off of that if there starts to be any of that. Um, I think it'll be interesting because uh, as a natural leader that he is, you know, he's walking into a situation where you've got Greg Newsom, who is still making it abundantly clear that he wants to play on the outside at cornerback, right? I mean, we saw it again this week where he um, he quote tweeted, you know, PFF or somebody, you know, again, saying what a great start he had as a rookie on the outside. So I, I don't necessarily think that issue is just going to go by the wayside. But I think that Juan Thornhill is someone uh, that, once again, can pull everybody together back there and make sure that it's all going in the right direction. He's only been in the league for four years, but he's uh, 27 years old. He came in a little older. He was 24 his rookie year. And those four years in Kansas City, I'm sure, aged him a lot in, in a good way. You know, going to, to three Super Bowls had to deal with an ACL injury. Uh, you know, I, I think that changes your mentality a little bit. Played with a guy like Teron Matthew and, and has, has kind of knows what it takes to win. 
Um, even though he's still like young, as far as how many years he's played Ashley, he feels like a grown up. And I think yeah. the more grown-ups you can have, whether they're kind of young, still younger, or you know, even a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson who's a little bit older, I, I think the more you can add like that, the better. I feel like this team has really, well, especially on the defensive side, I'll say, and we talked about it a lot last year, it's like, who really were the leaders, right? And I do think they've missed some of that age, that gravitas that kind of comes naturally when you've won Super Bowls, when you've gone to Super Bowls. So even though he's still in the early part of his career, like I think, and I got this vibe from reading Mary Kay's story. And then again, when he got asked about the Super Bowls today and and what that meant to him in the grand scheme of his career, like I really think it changes these guys. And it makes you reevaluate, I think, a lot as a player because of everything it takes to even get there. And especially when you add in this piece for a guy like him, who he had to miss one of those games. And I know we talked with Mary Kay about this, like that changes you. And I think that's really devastating when you put in a lot of work and then you can't play in that big game that some guys, you know, have stellar careers, never even get to a Super Bowl in their lifetime. Um, So I think when you get there, you understand how hard it is. You understand how rare it is. And I really hope some of the younger guys on this defense will kind of take those lessons to heart. And, you know, I I asked him about his leadership style today when we were on there. Like, I, I really like his personality so far. And I think it will have that chance to make, he'll make an impact on that young group that's in that locker room still. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting too, Mary Kay, to hear him talk about, um, you know, he comes in as a young guy, obviously, and he's a rookie and he's kind of quiet. But then this year, Kansas City went a completely different direction with their defense and went super young. And there were a bunch of rookies out there and he, he had to take on that leadership role. And I, I think that's, I, I think that's interesting the way he embraced that. And like you mentioned with Greg Newsom, he's going to have that ability to sit down and pull out those Super Bowl rings and say, Greg, if you want one of these, you might have to make some sacrifices. Yeah, I think, you know, when you've got someone that someone new that comes into the room, I, I do think it, it changes up the dynamic of the room. And, you know, certain things that went on last year, I don't think they will go on this year. I think that uh, it, it's just probably not going to happen because even though – uh, Juan Thornhill mentioned that he's not going to come in right away and take over like he's the man. Uh, and, and that's wise. You don't really want to do that. You have to get the lay of the land and you have to sort of know your place and figure out the pecking order and all that kind of stuff. But some guys just are natural born leaders. And I think he's one. And I do believe that he's going to have to take on uh, that. He will naturally take on a leadership position in this defense this year also by virtue of the position that he plays he, you know who knows he may might end up uh, wearing the green sticker you never know um but it sounds like Jim Schwartz is really really excited about him and the things that he can do and all the experience that he has and um and I, I just think that he's going to be a tremendous tremendous fit and I think he will elevate the level of of culture in that room. All right, two more things. First thing I want to get to, uh, a visit today uh, by tight end Jordan Akins. Interesting. Uh, a guy that knows Deshaun Watson well, played with him in Houston, is coming off a season where he had five he, touchdowns. There's just a tweet that he signed. Oh. oh. All right. <laughs> um, the agent looks like David Cantor, Mary Kay. Okay. Yeah. Well, Mary Kay, we'll let you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley and I will wrap up. <laughs> Mary Kay, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> 
Yeah, so <laughs> Ashley, just real quick here. Sorry. Uh, with, with Mary Kay jumping. No, perfect. Um, the Browns adding a tight end, you know, a very interesting. I thought the visit was interesting. It's even more interesting now that he's signed. I have to wonder what this means for a guy like Harrison Bryant. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I don't know if it means the end for Harrison Bryant, but certainly, you know, David Njoku's not going anywhere. And I've got to imagine that, that Aikens is going to have the opportunity to jump in as, as tight end too. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, like what it means for Harrison Bryant, I think is the big question. I don't, don't think this does anything to impact David Njoku's standings. And I don't think we're going to see them suddenly revert to using a ton of 13 personnel that they need to be regularly throwing three tight ends out there. So yeah, I haven't had a chance to read much about Jordan Akins in, in the sense of full transparency here on the pod. But I think for, for me, the big question is, okay, Harrison Bryant, does this mean they're going to move on from Harry or does he mean he's you know still going to have a chance to, to kind of prove his spot and, and keep that number two tight end spot? Nothing makes for better podcasting than reading stats, but Jordan yeah. Aikens, uh, 30 years old. Uh, let me check his age now. Right? He's going to turn 31 in April, uh, five touchdowns last season, 37 catches, 495 yards. Um, that was a career high in touchdowns. And then was he, when he was with Deshaun Watson uh, in 2018, 2019, uh, and then 2020, he had... Let's see if football, pro football reference will catch up here with me. Uh, 90 <laughs> catches, 1,046 yards, and three touchdowns. So we know I mean, Deshaun Watson likes to throw to his tight ends. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like the biggest takeaway, you know, last year when we were going through everything Deshaun Watson did in Houston, um, while he was still suspended, like that was kind of a big takeaway. Like what he was doing in 12 personnel, he threw a lot of touchdowns to tight ends when the Houston's ran, when the Texans ran. 12 personnel, especially. Um, so I do think that it's it's interesting that they're bringing in somebody who he has that kind of history with and who he did throw quite a bit to when they were both in Houston. So I think that right there is, is going to be an interesting battle set up in this tight end room. Okay, one last thing uh, before we go here. Okay, so the Browns just signed a tight end. So now what, what next? What tweet alert would you like to see... Well, you know, look, preferably not Saturday or Sunday. But I know, nothing. <laughs> we know, we know that's going to happen. But <laughs> anyway, what would the next tweet alert that you would want to see regarding the Browns? You know, Dan, I know you've been on the Meek Cole Hardman train for a while, but I think I'm like fully there, right? Like, I would just love to see them get that speedy receiver in free agency still so that you're not fully relying on it in the draft. Like, I. I think like the going through this first draft process that I went through covering this team last year, like I really have changed how I view what I think they're going to do even like, I do think it's a bit more unpredictable than we think, but I really take to heart this idea of they want to use the draft. Like they were building an expansion team. And I think, Ultimately, you know, with a few exceptions, they want to go after the player they like the most, regardless of position. And I think getting that speedy receiver is still so important. I've felt like last year they were missing kind of that veteran presence. Um, I think, sure, you could get a speedy receiver that's a rookie, but that's a different dynamic in that room. So the next tweet alert that I hope does not come <laughs> until, let's say, Monday after 12 p.m. Eastern. Oh, I like it. Daylight time. Like, let's give it, let's give us the morning too. Um, I, I really would like to see Nicole Hardman or another speedy veteran receiver that they have dealt for. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I, I've been trying to talk Lance Rice, and I think he's actually in on him now. And to, to DJ 
DJ Chark um, yeah. from the Lions. He's a, yeah, any, anybody kind of fast that can play inside, outside. Uh, I'm all about that. I think everybody's on the same page there. And that would be a, a pretty good haul in free agency for the Browns. But again, Andrew, just wait till Monday. It's cool. <laughs> Please, like, give us know, the weekend. Don't, don't let anybody know until Monday. And I, have to, really... I have to go cover the Cavs tonight. Like, I really don't. You know, the Juan Thornhill thing. And then, the sorry, I got muted for a second. The Juan Thornhill <laughs> news broke when I was covering the Cavs in place of Chris Fedor, who was coming back from Charlotte on Wednesday night. And I have FOMO, Andrew, so please don't don't leave me alone <laughs> to not have be able to cover this or write about it. Wait until Monday when we're all back at work from a weekend. There, There is this weird psychology to, like, if you're somewhere where you can't help out, and even though it's, like, yeah. perfectly cut, like, if I'm somewhere and you and Mary Kay have it all covered, there is, like, this weird, like, ah, I gotta be doing something. What's wrong I know, here? you feel guilty. You feel, I even texted yeah. you, Mary, I'm, like, getting ready to go upstairs and start writing my little Cavs gamer, and I'm like, do you guys need anything? Like, <laughs> checking in the last possible minute. Like, even if you said yes, there probably was nothing I could have done. Um, but there is that FOMO, and, and you gotta watch, I have to mention it, because you're wearing a Penn State hoodie. You better watch right, the flashes tonight. I know. I know. Don't ruin that one for us. Don't Andrew. ruin it, please. <laughs> the the Princeton of Portage County, as I like to call them. Uh, pull another upset here. All right. Uh, that will do it for this edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Uh, Mary Kay had to run off and uh, do some breaking news, of course. Uh, I'm sure she has texted it or is going to text it. So things like that. Come to our Football Insider subscribers all the time. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info uh, on that and get signed up. And also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. All right, Ashley, enjoy the Cavs. I'll talk to you later. <laughs>